Hello, kindred spirits, and welcome to Modcast, the podcast of the Ella Montgomery Institute, broadcasting from the beautiful campus of the University of Prince Edward Island. We are so glad you've tuned in. This is Modcast Season 1, Episode 10. I'm your host, Dr. Brenton Dickinson. In our quest to discover cutting-edge scholarship about the life and works of Lucy Maud Montgomery, and join imaginative readers throughout the world. We welcome to the microphone our special guest, Dr. Rita Bode. Rita Bode is Professor of English Literature at Trent University. Her research interests tend to focus on 19th and early 20th centuries, especially on women's writers, as we'll talk about. Her work on Montgomery includes two pretty recent co-edited volumes, one with Leslie Clement, which is on Ella Montgomery's Rainbow Valleys, the Ontario Years, and the other with the Jean Mitchell, um, Montgomery and the Matter of Natures, which won the Association of Canadian and Quebec Literature's 2018 Gabrielle Waugh Prize. Her newest volume of essays, American Women's Regionalist Fiction, Mapping the Gothic, is hot off the press by Palgrave, co-edited with Monica Elbert. It reflects her work on American women writers, and she is also interested in transatlantic and national studies, as seen in her publications on George Eliot and Harriet Beecher Stowe, and George Eliot and Edith Wharton. Rita, welcome to the Modcast. Thank you, Brenton. It's so nice to be here. I appreciate being invited very much. Well, we have to we have to have you on. You're one of the great names for us in, in Ella Montgomery studies, so I'm so glad to meet you. Well, there's lots of bigger names than mine, but uh, <laughs> thank you. Well, quite literally, I guess I suppose your name is only eight letters long. Yeah, so if we're, exactly. For being, being fairly fairly literal, you're right. You don't you don't have the greatest of those names, but uh, a name that carries its own weight uh, um, as it goes. All right. So, so at the Modcast, we just we're book lovers, and we love to talk about books and talk about what's on our bedside table, what's on our desk, things like that. Uh, I'm in Montgomery's world. I'm I'm reading the Blue Castle for an upcoming episode I'm doing for Bonnets at Dawn, which is a mm-hmm. Jane Austen versus the Brontes kind of battle, battle of the books sort of podcast. And Montgomery gets kind of moved in there with some of those other women writers. And I'm also reading Susanna Clark's Regency era fairy tale, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. This is a, it's a huge book. I mean, like huge as in I actually need like an orthopedic device to hold it up as I'm reading. But uh, it's, it's also good. So it's like a Jane Austen kind of language, but, yeah. but, but in a, um, uh, kind of a fairy tale world, almost the same era as Jane Austen, but magic exists sort of as real as like the clergy or something like that. And I've uh, just begun um, Canadian historian Max Hammond's uh, book on Louis Riel called The Audacity of, of His Enterprise, which is really kind of fascinating, kind of a, a study that's kind of undercutting some other work. So what are you reading these days, Rita? Wow, that sounds like a great reading list. Uh, well, mm-hmm. what am I reading? Um, and and I should mention that my bedside table never seems to be there when I want it. It's all my <laughs> books seem to go all over yeah. everywhere, and I can never find them when I want them. Yeah. But I eventually track them down. Um, well, I I often am rereading the text that I'm teaching. 
So mm. just recently, one of the courses I'm teaching this year is the development of the novel. So just recently, I reread uh, Joseph Conrad's Lord Jim, and it reminded me how much I like Conrad, actually, even though he's not a woman writer. Oh, well, uh, I think I think some men writer have something to say, too. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I you absolutely. Know, I, I have to confess, I that's one of those that's been on my to be tbr my to be read list for a long time that i've never gotten to i missed sort of i didn't get sort of classical education and so we missed some of those things between shakespeare and, and right. say the late 19th century so we kind of missed that developmental period and going back to them is always sort of a delight well not like samuel richardson wasn't a terrible delight for no. me <laughs> but, but there are lots often. of yeah, yeah, no, there's right. lots of wonderful, and I highly recommend Lord Jim. I mean, Conrad, mm. Conrad has this ability to take us into this world uh, of sailors and exotic mm. places, at least in those novels, well, most of his novels. And his his writing style is very, I guess we'd call dense, but it's also yeah. very vivid. He really gives us a sense of being there with him. And then, of course, that, that Marlowe of his, you know, who uh, narrates several of of his books is such an intriguing figure. So I, I quite enjoyed that. Um, see but sort then, of, yeah. Is it sort of the writing you see like every dewdrop kind of on each leaf? Well, kind of right there. So yeah, instead hello. of dense, I prefer to call it like committed, I think is. Oh, oh I love, I love that word. Yeah, I'll tell my students that. I like That's that right. very much. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess in December, every once in a while, I think I read too much English literature and, and I try to read, uh, you know, uh, works world literature that's been translated. So I've been reading, and I actually started in December, and I kind of let it go for a while and back to it, Magda Sabo's um, uh, The Door, Azoitu, mm. and, and it's translated in Hungarian. Now, it seems to have gotten a second life because it was published in the 1980s, but um, just, I guess, 2015, I think the New York Review of Books, it was reissued. Uh, came out and said how wonderful it is and it's very interesting quite different but it and it, and it, it's a subject that is you know of interest to on the the two female figures in it are different classes and backgrounds so it makes for a very dynamic kind of relationship so I have to continue with that, and that's for sheer pleasure. Uh, and then I always like to dip into books. So mm. Kyo, I, I always mispronounce her name, Kyo McClear's Birds Art Life, which is a wonderful volume that you can dip in and out of. And it also, I found it slowed me down because I keep rereading the little segments that I really like instead of moving forward with it. <laughs> uh, and then I, Keith Oatley, who's a psychology, uh, well, he used to be, teach psychology. I think he's retired now. But his history of psychology, I quite, I picked up and I quite like it. It's got in different chapters on different things, but he's very, his research related to empathy and that's such an interesting area related also to Montgomery and how she creates empathy, empathy among different things. So that's uh, the other thing. And then I, I on my um, metaphorical uh, <laughs> um, side table, I also have, which I hope to read soon, Desmond Cole's the skin we're in a year of black resistance that's mm. everybody except me seems to have read that but anyway it's i'm going to read it soon and then also just recently in terms of montgomery i reread rilla of ingleside mm. because we did a round table at the yeah. modern language association uh looking at because it's it's 100th 
anniversary. So uh, we took different aspects of Rilla Vingle's side, I think six of us, and gave sh very short papers on it. And we're actually going to re- Act it. I'd reenact it. I'm not no. sure what you do with the uh, roundtable um, through the <laughs> <laughs> through the journal. I think uh, Leslie oh, yeah. is is uh, organizing it in June, so um, people can tune in when we do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sort of like I'm taking a break. I'm reading the reading Montgomery's novels through and short story collections as they're related through. Right. With with the letters and the poetry is harder. Oh. It's not organized exactly like that. Right. Oh, I just got Ben Lefebvre's songs, um, and it, yeah. its index at the back is is um, is chronological. So so I, I'm going to actually fill that in. Although it's not everything. It's a it's you know 100 or 20 poems poems or something. Right. So and then I'm reading Betsy Epperly's uh, Sweetgrass fragrance of sweetgrass with each so after i finish a novel then i'll read oh, that and nice yeah and i had sort of sketched out when i kind of thought it was most likely that montgomery was re writing the novels and so i'm trying to match the journals with that so i'm doing that sort of a reading it's taking a long time but i my hope is to be at rilla by the time that this uh this panel gets replayed so that's great my hope. yeah so for future <laughs> podcast listeners we're recording this in february i think it's being published in march 2021 and so that rilla um conversation i guess will be a little later this spring is that right it's in June, actually. June 2021. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, I think it's uh, Montgomery.ca. I think is the a website that would have uh, the oh, okay. thing on it. So good. Excellent. Just so for those that are listening in and also enjoy Rilla, which is an important, kind of a, yeah. a unique book, I think, in that it's a, a woman and girl's perspective about the home fronts during World That's War right. One. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In Canada. Yeah. I hadn't actually done much work on Rilla until uh, we took this on. It wasn't one of the novels that you know I was focusing on in Montgomery's work, but I was actually really impressed and new. It's got all kinds of interesting aspects to it. And of course, so, you know, Montgomery always complicates everything in some way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had really, I started to really appreciate this idea of the female and the home front perspective in it. So um, yeah. yeah, very much of interest, for, especially in this year of its anniversary of publication. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, and we're sort of, all home fronting in a sense during this kind of pandemic, depending where we live in the world. How yeah, exactly. There is a kind of a, although we're not always getting that home front spirit that we see in intention with the novel where there wants to rise up, you know, a response, but then there's resistance to that response. So we're not getting, um, we're getting a little more of the resistance sometimes to the unity message. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably right. Yeah. yeah culturally. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is less intense, of course, than it were, obviously, too. So, um, but it just makes me think. It makes me f uh, appreciate some of these books that have wartime or plague realities in them. We read those quickly, I think, too quickly sometimes. Those bits, or or miss the atmosphere sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. and I mean, she was writing it too uh, during the Spanish flu. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very much now, um, you know, on our minds. I think. Mm. Uh, I mean, I was horrified to learn that the Spanish flu lasted for, I, I think, almost three years, yes. which is not encouraging for us right now. No, no, it's not. And I, so I was reading old journals and stuff, and they were talking about, you know, ministers with masks over their face and yes. people coming to church with onions and the masks because oh. uh, they were told that it would, uh, 
it would reduce the spread of the illness. And that one oh. just sort of evolved out of effectiveness, that that disease. But yes, it, it could have been a long, long, long time. So yeah, that yeah. actually reminds me of that. And I'd never thought of it in terms of disease. <laughs> that short story of Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Minister's mm. Black Veil, where yes, yeah. he decides, I mean, I think it's a little different, but but it's an interesting parallel. Yeah, 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 and it was fun. Yeah, and I was reading another one where the cones that they, you know, the pocket full of posies. So the cones with the flowers right. that the priests and caretakers would wear in medieval plagues. Oh. So the pocket full of posies only accidentally helped. Like, so it helped because it was a mask, but not because it was flowers in the mask. Um, so one of the, oh. an accident of history, right? <laughs> yeah, you can imagine, sure. of course, yeah, pr you know, priests basically just working till they died, right? In these, yes, in these plagues, absolutely. right? Yeah, and yeah. nurses, uh, later generations, 100 years yeah. ago, would be nurses just worked till they died in these plagues, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a thing. And of course, Fred uh, Montgomery's closest friend. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, died in this plague, right, 100 years ago. So. Right. Yeah, so yeah. for her, it was very fresh and very there and vivid. Yeah. Mm. So she, I'm, it doesn't, well, because of the timing of, of really doesn't figure directly in it, but it's there, I think, in terms of the background and the context and the readers that would have been reading Rilla would have been would have known in fact of course of what was to come still so yeah yeah i i suspect she protected herself a little bit and not like in letting the novel end as you know not even yeah. with the war's end but you know sort of closing it in that way right yeah so, i think so yeah yeah so walter's yeah. act is sort of the interpretation of the war, I think we're supposed to expect, uh, or the boys coming home or something, right? So, yeah. Well, yeah, Ken intriguing. comes home, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, not all the boys. A boy, a boy, one, one of the well, boys. And, comes home. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Jem, uh, yes, Jem comes does home. Yes, he does too. Jem, Jem yeah. comes home too, yeah. yeah that's right. And oh, it, ends, it ends that way, which is good, I think. I mean, I think at yeah. this time, in these times, we all need some kind of solace and yeah and certainly montgomery always offers that even though she goes through these novels and complicates things in different ways and raises issues that you know certainly show a dark side she does offer ultimately i think a, a, an affirmation of the human spirit which is yeah. always so important yes yes yeah and um i think in the 20s we see a bit more of the complexity um, in her uh, when it comes to the human spirit, but I don't think it's any more complex as far as, uh, you know, you know, structure or something, right? Emily is more complex because Emily is more complex, not mm -hmm. because the, um, the novels become more complex or something. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So you like, I want to talk about these two kind of critical Montgomery studies volumes that you've uh, brought together this, this last few years, this last five years and what's going on now, but can, can you tell me a bit, like you, your work has been in women's writers. I, I see a maternal Ness or um, motherness, motherhood that comes out of your work. Uh, when I look at your CV, how, how did you find your way into Montgomery studies? What was it that drew you into that world? Well, that's a good question. And in fact, um, I'm, I'm still interested in maternal scholarship. Um, mm. My paper on Rilla is on other mothers. So right, <laughs> Rilla's other mothers. So I still am. But it wasn't actually through that so much. It wasn't through the maternal scholarship, though I did bring that to Montgomery. But an earlier conference 
I think it was, I can't remember now, 2004 maybe, the Interior and Exterior Landscapes Conference came up. It was one of the international conferences of the Institute. And that topic really appealed to me. And I thought I would, you know, love to go to PEI, which yeah. was another big appeal. And it was at, a, <laughs> and I hadn't been, it was sort of at a time when I was starting again to do for conferences that were a bit further off because when my children were younger, I didn't do that much of that. So I thought, wow, this would be just great to get accepted at this conference. So I put in a paper on Jane of Lantern Hill, which is one of my favorite uh, Montgomery novels. And, and because it was in, I was interested in environmental criticism. So that's really how I got drawn in through, through that conference into working more on, on Montgomery. And then the Storm and Dissonance Conference again was on a theme that really interested me. Uh, so, and that's, I worked on motherhood for that one. Uh, so yeah, so it was in that kind of way that um, there was, and I think it reflects how much there is in Montgomery that can appeal across a broad range of topics. Um, because I wasn't actually working on her until then, um, yeah. but, but she offered so much and, uh yeah so that's that's how i moved towards um you know working more intensely on on her and then my other interest one of my other interests is as you've already mentioned is 19th century american women writers mm. and that area i've always thought that and i it is what something i like to explore more and i've done a little bit of work on this but that she fits in really well with that literary tradition. So the the writers who uh, we associate with, well, local color, regionalism, yeah. uh, Sarah Orne Jewett, um, Mary Wilkins Freeman, uh, Rose Terry Cook, it seems to me she writes very much in that kind of um, tradition changes it and makes it her own and certainly those writers even though they're grouped together are not all the same mm. but i think if if you know if we're trying to find a literary tradition and we don't need to but if we are trying to find one for montgomery it seems to me that that's the one that she's closest to and right. and it, you know and it's transnational obviously i don't know though i still don't know quite to what extent she was familiar with those writers. And that's one of the frustrating things about Montgomery. There seems to be, and we know she was a reader, and there mm -hmm. seems to be so many echoes of other writers in her work. But, you know, she doesn't often give us a lot of details about, no. she does sometimes, but, you know, well, what and, she read and things, yeah. Right, yeah, and her journals have some of them, but I think the, the selected journals, which we would have kind of grown up on, I guess, don't, or not grown up, but like, until fairly recently, that's what we had. A lot of the books were cut out um, as part of the selection process. So the collected journals, the, right. you know, the full ones, complete ones, have a lot more of, um, yes. of that. Yeah. yeah but it's not very sure. systematic. You have to add the letters, right? She's talking to her friends right. about the book she reads. And it's kind of a, and, uh, um, you know, I can't, I, I've worked in C.S. Lewis studies archives. And so, um, for example, a third of his library was purchased by one library. So we can actually look at the notes that he made in his books. That's wonderful. Yeah. And so he used to sign a book at the end when he finished it. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and sometimes we write. That's so great. Like, yeah, he would write like a never again. You know, I think he <laughs> wrote on, on some of them, uh, which is how I feel sometimes at the end of a book. And <laughs> and and he was a, a, a just like Montgomery, just a huge reader, like just um, and and broad uh, in in his yeah. tastes. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, it's funny. You you come in f from nineteenth century women's writing. Um, I'm coming in actually the sort of the, the 20th century anti-modernist modernist era writers yeah. and Montgomery fits pretty well into that group in in the sense that she's resisting she would resist modernism mm -hmm. but you know but she's she's still writing in a realistic mode right so yes. she's very much um uh, very 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 much doesn't take up the fantasy mode no um, that's right yeah. yeah and it's not clear what models other than George MacDonald she would have had anyway for that um uh, you know, fantasy rather than fairy tale. I mean, right, right. right. So, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's interesting, mm -hmm. though. Actually, those connections. Yeah, yeah. She's never far from fairyland, but she never really oh. enters it. Right. So, oh, that's a lovely statement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, the, some of the names that you and I have written down as we're kind of thinking about this, and some of the names that you've uh, published on, you know, Edith Wharton, Harry Beecher Stowe, uh, Harry Prescott, uh, Spofford, uh, George Eliot, will. Cather. So these are sort of some of those names. Um, and then you went and talked about the regionalists, uh, you know, as right. another um, specific group. She's different. Like, so she really draws on George Eliot and certainly draws on the Brontes, certainly Charlotte Bronte. Obviously. Yes, very much, very much. She never writes the big, thick novel. No, no, that's right. Which marks her actually more as a modernist. <laughs> was, yeah, that's right. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, you know, it's interesting because I do feel there that she read Harriet Beecher Stowe, especially. Yeah, okay. I'm, partly because everybody read Harriet Beecher Stowe, right. I think. Um, and I, I think there's a number of connections between some of Stowe's less read works and Montgomery's, which she, you know, once again, made her own. But um, yeah, so so that's an interesting connection. But the other one that I find... Uh, quite interesting is, and I'm not sure, I mean, I see them kind of as parallel, but Edith Wharton and Montgomery had in some ways very parallel careers. They were very different, obviously. Edith Wharton was, you know, well, very well off, part of kind of American aristocracy. But as women writers, they were treated very much the same. Uh, their works were seen as popular and not literary for a long time. They had to struggle with the male publishing world to be able to move forward. And one of the things, though, that I'd really like to explore a little bit more in Montgomery, and this has now become a kind of standard way to look at Wharton, is that Wharton is a social critic. You know, she was seen as a kind of novelist of um, manners, which is fine. That's that's part of social criticism, too. But she's really, I think, um, you know, interpreted more and more as a very strong social critic. And we need to look at Montgomery, I think, more in that light. I mean, she's mm. biting sometimes in some of what she says and the way she looks at her society, uh, sometimes she redeems some of the characters that she condemns, but not always. And you know, you were talking about the relationship to her journals. I mean, in her journals, she's 
quite a different person and the yeah, you know the sad the satiric eye yeah. the uh, i mean it's it's quite fascinating and i i think i'm i'm hoping that that will be one way forward with montgomery scholarship that we turn a little bit more and not that there hasn't been already some certainly some very good work done on this but to mm -hmm. see her more as the satirist the you know, one with the caustic eye who really undermines social pretensions and human fallibility and, you know, all those kinds of things that are part of that darker vision, which very much appeals to me in her work. Yeah. Yeah. I actually miss it when we get to say Anna Vingleside, one of the insert novels, which certainly has a lot of opportunity, like all the, it's a sort of a kitchen novel, gossip mm -hmm. novel or something. Mm -hmm. And it has a, a, a good portion, not obviously not all of it, but yeah. <laughs> You know, com you compare like, you know, Anne's House of Dreams and, you know, Rainbow Valley. Well, a little less Rainbow Valley, but there's just so much more depth and right. darkness and dissonance and things like yeah. that there, right? So, um, yeah. although Anne of Ingleside has its own, it's an unusual, I don't really quite understand what she was doing with the story thread there. Maybe I'm just missing no. the novel. No. <laughs> but uh, I like the, I like the caustic tongue. I, 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 yeah. I like, uh, you know, you know captain jim uh oh, trying yeah. trying to 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 poke fun and and to that's right to draw draw out the the dissension because it's friendly yeah. dissension. i like that i like the absolutely of, of the characters to me i'm drawn to that yeah. and um you mentioned Anne's house of dreams uh the character of leslie in that is so complicated and you know yeah i mean you know the artists that created that character i think felt so deeply some of the anguish that leslie feels so yeah. it's a really really wonderful portrait well of course she wrote um you know so she you know uh, her her hugh alexander her baby dies in her arms yeah she gets news of the war this is happening at the same moments that she then is is trying to pull house of dreams into shape um, so I think I don't yeah. think, and I'm not, that's not an original observation or anything, uh, but, but very true. Yeah, very true. And then I think, um, there's a real sort of empathy in the text, but there's also empathy, right. To, you know, uh, you know, Miss Cornelia, right. Who is, is clearly a problematic character. Uh, and, and that, but the, it, it, you know, so the text doesn't condemn her sexism. Um, no allows no. it to kind of stand there so that we yeah. can do what we want with it right yes like, exactly um, exactly there's yeah. that kind of um she really trusts the reader i think with lady cornelia um in, yeah in a, in yeah a, in a, i think a sophisticated way so sure. we could get lost i guess in, in these stories um absolutely uh, too much so i want to i want to look at your text but let's do let's do a quick flash round so this is yikes <laughs> uh fla flash round so this is captain jim's parlor uh, kind of conversation questions, but I'm not going to ask you about any of the ununderstandables of life, the imponderables, as he would call it, but instead just a few questions, just get to know your questions for our audience to enjoy and try and answer them quickly. You don't have to think about them and you're welcome to be wrong. Um, I, I'm sure that they say there's no uh, such thing as a wrong answer. I'm, I'm sure we'll find that out to be untrue eventually, but for now you don't have to worry about it and just kind of enjoy yourself. Okay. Okay. All right, good. We'll try. So, all right, Rita. Yeah. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Raspberry cordial or red currant wine? Wine. 
<laughs> just wine, just any wine. <laughs> no, let's make it red current. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, October's or June's? June's. Hmm. Okay, so think any book, anytime, any place. Uh, what would you tell? So, like listeners are you know sitting in their car listening to this podcast, or on a walk, or or at work when they're supposed to be doing other kind of work. Uh, what what book of any t place, any time, or anything would you tell them just to to pull the car over, to stop the podcast, and to go and read, to go and leave it, leave their family and friends, and go and read this book? What would be that one book for you? Can I can I say two? <laughs> okay, well, sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, I would say George Eliot's Middlemarch. Okay, yeah. And I would say Montgomery's Chain of Lantern Hill. Oh, nice. That's good. I, Jane Lantern Hill is sort of a sweet book, right? Uh, oh, it's much more than sweet. Mm. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I think it's the book that should be actually taught more. I, I think oh, it's yeah. a wonderful uh, book for younger people and gives so much hope. And the heroine is such a wonder. But I've talked about this endlessly before, so I oh, won't yeah. bore you with it. Well, I, I I was sort of discouraged. I was reading, I don't know who wrote it, I don't remember who wrote it, reading a piece that talks about, you know, this is the domestication of, of feminism or something like that uh, in, you know, Jane character. Because, you know, she really throws herself into making house, right? But I don't know, like, I think in the middle of the, depression I, I just didn't feel trapped in reading it you know what i mean i felt like she was gaining so much that had been taken from her and and really doing it with her own agency that was how i read i absolutely uh, she i mean she finds agency and acts on it in her in her quest to yeah. um you know become her own person it's a wonderful coming of age novel mm. um and in fact she becomes a leader her her skills are executive skills yeah, you know, absolutely. the same way Rilla becomes this, you know, junior Red Cross organizer. Mm. So, it, uh, yeah, there's so much strength in these young female characters that she creates that I think are so affirming. Hmm. Yeah, intriguing. Good. I'm glad that. Oh, see, we've lost ourselves. We. This is the problem with Captain Jim's parlor, right? The lighthouse <laughs> will get you talking about all kinds of things. I, I like those questions. I thought they were going to be trivia, and I wouldn't have any answers like Jeopardy. You know, oh no, like Jeopardy. I'm ter I'm terrible at trivia. I always have my phone <laughs> under the table during trivia, so I'm not I'm not very trustworthy in that sort of an endeavor. I'm afraid. So does does uh, this? Do you, is there a result for this? Like a little report on my <laughs> answers? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Although maybe we should capture these books and Middle March too. Like I. I had so each winter I, I take a super long book, um, often oh, in small nice. print, and put it on my side table. It usually takes me, you know, I'm reading something else too, and so it just yeah. takes me a while to get through. This For year sure. it was, yeah, it was the Jonathan Strange that went out over the middle March, oh. um, and just not <laughs> just because that's a the, to be fair, the middle March I have, I can't find my first volume. I have the two volume oh. kind of like a kind of a re every man sort of late. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I really wanted not just to read the second volume. So um, but if it's if it's printed in two volumes, that's fair warning, I think, for folks. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a good a good size book. It'll it takes the it's good for winter evenings, I think so. Okay, well, cho choose one of these. Uh, now, we're, we're recording this midwinter. We just had a foot of snow. Uh, a day at the beach, a walk in the woods, or an afternoon in the archive? 
I want all three. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't fair that I have to choose. Uh, it depends, I think. Um, I, honestly, I don't. I love all three of those possibilities. I think almost equally. So, yeah. Mm. I, I'm You're going not going to choose, are you? <laughs> I'm not going to choose. I'll take a book along with you wherever you happen to go. So, um, And what's like what character from fiction so really fiction so the characters not the authors of the fiction would you like to host for tea or or i guess wine and, and uh, our coffee oh. Case maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh no it's all right tea's okay too tea's okay. Yeah. and definitely cordial is fine as well <laughs> um, make, right. make sure you know what you're drinking i think it'd oh, be the only one there. character yeah one character from oh geez that's a good question uh for tea yeah yeah mm. one one character for tea Okay, Lizzie Bennett. Yeah, <laughs> but she's sort of having you for tea, right? Yeah. Like if that's if that's what happens. She's sort of what? She's sort of having you for tea, right? Like, oh, I mean, she oh, sort of yeah. will take over and transform the the experience into. That um, that would be okay though. Then I wouldn't have yeah. to worry about pouring or any of those other things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wouldn't have to worry about spilling my tea. So my confession is, it was it was re so all of. Like just just because of how I grew up reading mostly sci-fi and fantasy, I just never read the, sort of the woman novelists. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was, I mean, the non-contemporary woman novelists. Sure. So I mean, Harry Potter is woman. You know, J.K. Rowling's a woman novelist, but like the novels, like the capital A yeah. novels, right? Yeah. And it was, but I had come to love Dostoevsky and things like that. And well, that's pretty like, good. <laughs> yeah, D Dickens. Uh, um, a bit more hit and miss for me is just an enjoyment, but it was Lizzie Bennett. It was Pride and Prejudice uh -huh. um, in a in a, a, a volume. I don't know when I got it, fifteen years ago or something for Christmas, and it was that it was she that won me over. And nice. I, I, yeah, I just feel because if I I think if I had read Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre first, which I think is probably a greater book, greater in in greatness and depth. Yeah, yeah. Something. I I don't think like. I don't know if Bronte had a sense of humor, as far as I could tell. No, uh, I, she, she, she didn't believe she in such a thing. Yeah, wasn't funny. And in fact, <laughs> I, I mean, I've always, you know, liked that uh, interpretation that Susan Gubar and Sandra Gilbert given a Mad Woman in the Attic from the, mm. I guess it was 1979 when it was first published about, um, you know, she's kind of a raging figure. And she is, Jane is raging. Yeah. And then she really, well, yeah, the ending is to me too much to handle with yeah. poor Rochester reduced to, you know, yeah. just following her around. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although he sees dim light, though, by the end. I right? know. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think she's, she's uh... telling him to see the dim light. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's right. She is. She's. So, yeah, though she I love her strength. That book. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love that book. Yeah. So. Oh, no, I think it's a, like it's yeah. an important book. I just am glad. But I mean, like, if I'm just going to reach for something, it would yeah. be Pride and Prejudice, you know. Just, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and my other confession is, so I've read w Wuthering Heights, and each time I say I'm not going to read it again because it's just too effective. It's just oh, too dark. Like C.S. Lewis, you have to sign it at the back and yeah, say sign it at like the back. <laughs> but I ignore this because then, like, two, three years later, I get sort of tempted, and then yeah, like, I reach for I the know. book, and and I always do that during like a. Um, my low points in life, and then then I'm 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 stuck with it because you have to finish the book. You can't um, if you make it to chapter four of that book, you have to finish. Well, so. I have to I have to I have to make a confession. 
one oh. of the things that I did when we started, um, when this pandemic started, you know, everybody mm. was doing something. So of course I turned to reading because that's what I do. So I started, you know how everybody has a book they've never read that they should have, which is what sort of you were talking about. Well, mm. I started War and Peace. And I'm still wow. on War and Peace. I don't think I'll ever finish it. Tolstoy. Wow. <laughs> and he wrote uh, it by candlelight. I think he lost his eyesight writing that book. Oh, I know his wife did. I don't know. So. I, I mean, it's it's got a lot of strengths, but um, I found it really hard go. I haven't I I haven't finished it, and I haven't tried Ulysses, the other great ah uh, yes James Joyce. It's been a long time. And, I for me on and that of one. course, I should right. And of course, yeah. it's all one day, right? So I should just read it in one day. But I don't know. Oh, that I know, but that's kind of yeah. But I had like Brothers Karamazov. Um, yeah, I I did read the, which is a, almost as long as those other two, and I didn't yeah. have a problem with that. Yeah, and partly it's the episodic or sh sort mm -hmm. of short story way of writing. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was yeah. also part partly it was crime and punishment that drew me back into like it made oh, me yeah. see what a book could do. Oh, right? that's like, exciting! Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was younger, and I read it. You know, after college, you're burnt out, and and, yeah. uh, and yeah. I read it, and I'm like, oh, this is. There's a thing happening. There's a something going on, and I want to be able yeah, to do that. I want to that's see that. Exciting. Yeah. Okay, so, sure. so probably I had grace for Brothers Karamazov. That, um, and and Kren and I didn't struggle with that, but that's a sort of a whopping tale in a sense, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Same thing. Bleak House. I loved Bleak House. Oh, I just yeah. reread Bleak House last year. Actually, after I couldn't get through War and Peace, I reread Bleak House. It's <laughs> wonderful yeah is it is it is it just me is it like um they actually have a successful character who's good she's yeah. just she's just actually good and we don't hate her right yeah 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 that's i think a special, that's a special sort of skill that, yeah yeah yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, I, yeah yeah that's right and she's she's yeah. very oh and poor joe right joe um yeah yeah, poor Joe on the street. Well, so. yeah, no, there's, I mean, yeah, Dickens' world is always so peopled. Oh, I know. <laughs> Very populous. The, the, yeah. the characters, he's a brilliant uh, character novelist, and so uh, it's a it's a good thing. Well, I we've we've lost. So if anybody hasn't read those, the 19th century, then we, we're gone. But to be fair, yeah, I've just sort of uh, sh you know shot the bolt on this gun. I, I don't have any more, right? <laughs> you know, so I've kind of talked about all the ones I know. Um, so let's kind of pu pull back in because because sure. one of the books that has been really helpful to me, um, and of course essay volumes aren't really supposed to be like this. They're really supposed to be pick and choose. But I spent a lot of time with the Rainbow Valleys. Um, collection rainbow valleys collection oh, yeah, which, yeah. which for listeners is a, a a series of articles that are really focused on sort of the distinctive um periods of montgomery's ontario years uh, most of them are actually in uh, lake steel and norval years mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and really about her work as a novelist and writer in person and the way mm -hmm. she shapes her own personality in public and things like that in that right. period yes um and Partly because I think as a Prince Edward Islander, I have a much more instinctive feel for her in the Green Gables period or leading up to that, right? Um, she moves, she leaves PEI just after uh, Anne of Avonlea and mm -hmm. Kilmany of the Orchard, I think. So so I have a, that one kind of comes more naturally to me. And we know, frankly, we know a little less about what was going on then, I guess. So tell me kind of, how did that come about? Uh, what was the process for you? Uh, in, um, just so that people get a little background of that that Ontario piece. Well, it came out again of um, the 
Lucimon Montgomery Society of Ontario, which is amazing. The uh, people who run it are so dedicated and have done so much, so many wonderful things. So they had a conference, which actually Leslie uh, Clement uh, organized. Mm. I think she was a conference director on in 2011 on the anniversary of her move to yes that's right 100 years yeah, yeah exactly yeah. uh and then um i guess i started talking to leslie and she thought we we could do a collection based on ontario so we put out a call for papers and you know we just took off from there we had a great response um i think though what's really interesting is that really she spent almost almost half her life in Ontario. Yes. And, you know, just, you were talking about um, Joyce earlier. I mean, that idea that you sometimes have to move away from what you're writing about to really get the perspective on, it seems in some ways a cliche, but I think for her, it, it allowed her to, well, it allowed her to create someone like Emily, it seems to me, and not just continue on with Anne. Um, so, you know, it gave her, I, I think, and I, I think Prince Edward Island in some ways then became for her as much of an imaginative concept as a real one. And I don't mean to, you know, suggest that she didn't have a very intense love for the place and the land and the environment, but it existed so much in her imagination as well that the two kind of coalesced all the time. Um, and, you know, and she came to love Ontario. Uh, she loved, she's, she finally became enamored of the natural world in Ontario, but it also brought out her love for urban centers. I mean, mm. she thrived in Toronto. Uh, you know, it gave her an, an opportunity to meet other writers, to give talks, to interact with people, publishing people. You know, it wasn't always to her benefit some of that because we know about some of her difficulties with the Writers Association yes, and yeah. things. But I, you know, and she loved theater. Uh, so it gave her all these opportunities to really engage with that urban world. And one of the things that I think, and this kind of takes us into the second volume that, you know, Gina and I did, it takes us into that world where I don't think, even though Montgomery is you know, always associated with nature. She didn't make that same kind of distinction between nature and culture that we've so often are always doing still, even with the environmental movement. So, mm. um, and then the other thing, I have to say this before I forget, both these books were really joint and, you know, project driven. Uh, both Leslie and Jean were just amazing to work with. And I was just so grateful to be working with them. And our contributors were wonderful. Um, you know, we had both really established scholars, Montgomery scholars, but mm. also newer voices. So, I mean, it, a project like that, when it's a, an edited collection, it's really the people involved to make the project work. And I, I'm, so I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to work with both the co-editors and with all our contributors. And it's actually something, um, as someone who works in other fields too, that's distinct about Montgomery Studies is that the strength of its anthologies and its edited collections. Yes. Um, where, uh, but, but much thinner on um, monographs, right? There's- uh, Yes. Particularly just sheer literary critical monographs. There's, you know, it's, yeah, very true. Very true. You know, studies. Yeah. We have some studies. And yeah. We have, 
um, biography is a critical biography. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but it's, and I think that's the lateness, the gap that happened in, uh, in scholarship. And so many of the leading scholars, of course, didn't just go in to do a PhD in Montgomery studies, which I think wasn't until something like 92 or 91, 92, 93, and not in North America, right? That we get our first. Uh, yeah, I know it's quite amazing, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, so many actually of the Montgomery scholars are actually started out in in, in other fields, often That's Victorian. Right. Often late, Victorian or yeah. women's writing, as, yeah. as, as you've done, feminist yeah. criticism uh, or some historical approach, right? That they find yes, their way yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, and, and I appreciated too that the, the 2015 Rainbow Valley's volumes, so you have literary critical stuff, you have archival stuff, like Jenny yep. Lister's archival piece, and you have auto-ethnographic stuff, Melanie yep. Fishbane's Writing as Therapy, mm -hmm. um, which begins with her own experience as a writer, right? So, right, right, which exactly. I, which yeah. a lot of, you know, I, I don't know that every um, editor would have had sort of the courage to allow that data point in, so I appreciate that, yeah. Yeah, thanks. I, I mean, we did have, we yeah, um, some of some of the suggestions came from our um, editor at M um, McGill Queens, who's wonderful, Mark Abley. Um, but yeah, we made an effort, and I um, that final piece too, where we have that section in the appendix on um, on the society, the Ontario Lucy Montgomery Society of Ontario, and we we wanted it to be to to show her as part of a community which mm -hmm. is still vibrant and ongoing so I, I think that's so important with her i mean she also her work links people from around the world yeah that's right no that's good i'm i'm glad that i'm glad that has that sort of perspective i should say when it comes to the ontario stuff my wife and i if we ever if we ever find our way out of stay at home orders and <laughs> interprovincial travel one of the things we want to do is is go to the Leaksdale and yeah and, and, yeah and kind of see those things absolutely and yeah. yeah and you're right when they, she landed in norville i guess the the train the radial was got her to Toronto in an hour yeah. or so. Yeah. And yeah. so she really started becoming part of um, an urban story at that time. Exactly. Think, right? yeah. 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 And it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't picture perfectly well in Jane of Lantern Hill, right? The, the novel that begins in Ontario and, and. Yeah. they remember by the end of it, they bought this really nice house. That's right. They end up back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This They're happens, going to right? spend half, half their time in PEI, but the yeah. other half, and you know, I think it's the area where she ended up with, journey's end on the banks yeah, no, of the I Humber. Think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think and maybe even the same street, although I don't know that the dark mansion was on the same street or not. So because it was sure. a new new development, right? So um, yeah. 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 So that that's intriguing. All right. <laughs> well the um uh, so and and folks, I do want to note that this the nature's book. So so, so the nature is the matter of nature's and nature the S in nature's is in um, in in brackets, yeah. and I think allows the play with sort of human nature, personhood, right. as well as the environmental thing. And and you're actually concerned. I think you you're thinking that we're sometimes too dualistic or binary. Thing we split these things apart a bit too much. Is that is that what kind of what you were saying there? 
I was. I mean, I think we've gotten a lot better. Environmental criticism has certainly made us aware of the human and the more than human of, you know, all forms of life and what how we interact with it. But I, you know, I still think sometimes we do a little bit too much of that. But um, certainly that was one of the reasons that was one of the things that we were looking at in Montgomery is the Mm. way that, uh, you know, she I don't think she makes those hardline divisions, in fact, um, that, you know, she appreciates both nature and culture greatly and doesn't see them in opposition. So it's nature and culture, not nature or culture. Uh, Yeah, which which I think is, is you know, crucial, crucial difference. One can love nature and still love theater. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. And I think her time in Norvell very clearly puts her both closer to um, nature in the sense of wilderness, wild beauty, mm-hmm. and closer to the urban cultural That's right. connections. Like both those happened because they're sitting atop a river valley yes. and, and, but also beside the train station. Yeah, also exactly. She, yeah. Know, like the other anti-modernists, they want to split apart um, technology and, and sort of ur- urban life mm-hmm. um, for something I think they want to keep uh, that they're missing in their own lives, but I don't feel that in Montgomery exactly. No, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. intriguing, yeah. intriguing. Yeah, and so uh, and Jean Mitchell is my hallmate. Uh, yeah, in, so, nice. so her office, her office <laughs> is right in front of mine, and uh, I don't know how she edited a volume because I have to say her her office is haunted by students um, all the time. She's a brilliant mentor. She's just she's, so capable. She is a wonderful human being. So say hi to her next time you're able to be on campus. Yeah, that's right. We're a bit we're a bit uh, sequestered <laughs> elsewhere right now. But and I should I should know I made a mistake there. Jenny Lister's piece, uh, archival piece is actually in the second in the Nature book. Yeah, no, because she talks about uh, how uh, the journal reveals how Montgomery is not only shaped by agriculture and farming life and community life, but she reshapes it for us. And that was one of the distinctives that came into the volume is how clearly Montgomery is presenting, how clearly she's curating Mm -hmm. an experience for us as readers. Is that a fair read? Is that... I, th- sorry, you're talking about the nature volume? Yeah, well, I guess maybe the two are blending in oh, my mind oh, at this oh, point, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because in the Ontario one, I think one of the things that comes out very clearly is how she self-fashioned, how mm. she projected herself. Um, yeah, and it's there in the nature volume too, that that idea of curating a world. Yes, mm. I I would see it, but you know, it, it's the, it's kind of curating it in the sense of showing connections. I think sure. that that's what she's always seems to me to be aiming at in in terms of at least the way we read her uh, a very expansive view of nature's with that s added on to right. it. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, she certainly Montgomery is one of the most publicly private people I've ever sort of read. Yes. Yeah, know. yeah. She just can, she can never be fully open and and but she keeps presenting herself in the world in these various ways that's right yeah yeah the um uh, maybe that's not untypical um but um autobiographies tend to be a bit more revealing right too so no and also i mean the just the amount of energy and work she put into her journals Mm. invites that kind of reading of her i think so 
Yeah, curation might be a good word for those journals. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, and quite quite literally with the scrapbooks too, right? The, oh know, yes, you know, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The they they are a, yeah. an exhibition of yeah. sorts, I think. So, but you know, one of the things that I've always wondered about with the journals is how, and, and I do think I think you know our sense that she curated is accurate and valid. But she left in so many things that I wonder why she didn't cut them out. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, some know. of the things about her children and I mean, they're quite horrifying sometimes, some of the things she writes, um, you know, in terms of putting them out for a public. If if we think that she was actually, you know, with that view of an eventual public in mind. So, yeah, and it could be why we are missing some of the things in the 30s and 40s is because, yeah. Uh, they've slipped away for for reasons like that and she didn't have the ability to rewrite them or it wasn't her that made them slip away so yeah uh, um, family members or relatives or people that are protecting you know yeah maybe things like that i don't know but i mean reading mary uh rubio's um gift of wings her oh yeah you know, they're really only critical a biography that we have, although we have some nice biographies along the way um particularly re readable ones i think uh you, know, you can see she's really struggling to, to, you know, what is masked and what is mirrored um, in, yes. the, in the journals is one of the long things. And, and where scholars would disagree with her is, is, is how that balance happens, I think, right? And they certainly make good reading. They're still literary. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're amazing. Yeah, they're, yeah. 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 they're quite literary. And I, I do want to know for readers, we're going to close up here, that um, the the Matter of Nature's book won that. It's Gabrielle Roy Prize, I think, yes. um, the English we section. So yeah. yeah, that's right. No, it's a great award. It's Canadian Quebec literature, and there's, I think, some parallel panels there and, and things like that. Yeah, nice. Okay, so bringing this to a close, Rita, you know, what are you working on? Like, what's what's happening now in your world? And tell us about this. This uh, I, I've made it the Gothic book in my head, but I think it's a bit a better name. No, than that. it is the Gothic book. Actually, we had, <laughs> we had we had wanted to call it Gothic women write American Gothic women writers, yes. but um, the the press always wants a sort of something people look up. So yeah, right. American yeah. Women Regionalists. Um, yeah, no, that was a great uh, volume to be involved with. It, it was on these, um, you know, a lot of the lesser known American women writers who are realists, but we mm -hmm. focused on on this kind of Gothic aspect. And, and you know, it, it fits with my interest because there's lots of Gothic aspects in Montgomery as well. Um, yeah. But in terms of Montgomery, um, one of my interests right now is turning to her male characters and I've been looking at how she handles uh, those um, and I yeah so I've been thinking some of those strategies through because we tend to and criticism tends to write so much on her on her female characters and you know their place in a wider literary kind of circle um, but yeah so I've been looking at uh, the Emily books in that way. And then for this uh, roundtable on Rilla, I had some insights into Gilbert and wondered what she was doing with him in that yeah. book. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so, it's, it's curious the way that he grows. Um, and then how what we do with the, the Blythe are quoted, right, is always, I think, an open question, right? Because, yeah. you know, there's a bit cartoony at points. Um, some of those vignettes around the 
the dinner table, um, which sometimes yeah. end up being basically Gilbert and Susan speaking. Yes, back exactly. And forth, right? so, exactly. Um, into intri intriguing. Yeah. And, and I think people, I think we forget, or maybe I forget, you know, that two of the books, the narrator is male, which is the, the golden which road one? story, story girl, <gasps> golden road. Right. See, so he's actually, I never whole, thought of that. thank you. <laughs> he's actually, yeah, but see how his, it's, it's voiced a little differently. And of course yeah. I think story girl is one of her better, um, more, more well-written pieces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, the Golden Road is is not quite as strong, but but interesting. So, but yeah, no, those are boys. Uh, it's a boy, and I think well, it's a man actually remembering life as a boy among yeah. children. Yeah. And I think we, yes, yeah. yeah, we we miss him as a male character. I think, or I've not seen analysis like that. Yeah, um, and I'm also curious, like, because she is such a romantic writer, to what degree the gothic double and things like that end up. Um, moving into Montgomery's work, like uh, it's very suggestive. Yeah, yeah, like the Leslie Moore um, Anne combo in yeah, Dark exactly the dark double. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right, the dark mirror. Yeah. The because uh, uh, yeah. I'm sure that Montgomery read Jekyll and Hyde, which would be the sort of the, I guess the easiest example to give of that, uh, but it's always more subtle. The doppelgammers are always more subtle. But but it's also Jane Eyre and Bertha Mason. Yeah. That's right. You know, yeah, so, a very precise, like to the point yeah. that when you're reading the yeah. first time, you don't know yeah. precisely where these lines are. No, yeah. absolutely. That, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Very intriguing. Yeah, there's so always stuff to talk about. Uh, we look forward to seeing that seeing that volume and hopefully uh, again in in PEI for a conference international I hope conference. So. Live, I know so. we were disappointed, but I think the decision yeah. had to be made. So and oh, and actually, it's been great. The forums and things that yeah. uh, the in the journal have been putting forward have been really good so yeah, yeah absolutely the 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 institute and journal websites have become great rich resources yeah. of materials now which yeah. complements the kindred space as well that's right yeah um, and of course but we can't and of course the as the ontario groups would remind us of course great archival stuff and right. ultimately one day back to the mansions back to the the, the manses <laughs> i mean back to the places of of honor in ontario well, well, that's great. Look, it's super nice to talk to you, Rita. Yeah, thank, thank you so, you so much, much for coming on the Modcast. Yeah, I really appreciate being asked. And best wishes to everyone in PEI. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Now, as always, folks, you can check out the works of the Montgomery Institute at lmmontgomery.ca, including the interactive features, guest blogs, news about conferences and calls for papers, the newest releases of the Journal of Ella Montgomery Studies and links to digital resources that I just, some of those I just mentioned. And if you enjoyed the Modcast and would like others to enjoy it as well, please share on social media and give us a rating. It really helps spread the news for us folks about Modcast and the Institute's work. I'm your host, Brenton Dickinson, and I'm here with Technical Director Christy McKinney. Until next time, remember this nice bit of a reminder from Anne of Green Gables. Well now, I guess it wasn't a boy that took the Avery Scholarship, was it? It was a girl, my girl, my girl that I'm proud of. Farewell.